0: Live from our respective apartments, it's Just Meaningful Plastic. Here are your hosts and judges, Katie Claire Narber and Chris Stockham Goodman. Katie, welcome to our retrospective Dancing with the Stars podcast, where we have talked about the entire first season of Dancing with the Stars. And we are wrapping up our look back at that summer of 2005 With a jaunt into the fall of 2005 with the season one dance off. Katie, how are you feeling?
1: Vindicated.
0: (laughs) I cannot hate you more over our, our John and Kelly rivalry. Um, It makes me so angry and we have disagreed on couples in the past, but this one just feels especially cruel.
1: What I think is so interesting and needs to be said, too, is that this is not a gimmick that we're going for. This was not a planned, I want you to be on this team while I'm on this team. This is a true Edward v. Jacob on our hands. And it is emotional.
0: And uh, we shouldn't be surprised, because as we know, I love the cheekiness, the sarcasm, the old Hollywood suaveness, and you're just in it for the sex appeal.
1: Always have been, always will be.
0: <laughs> so we are going to be talking about the dance-off. Um, 22 million people watched the original finale of season one. Um, they saw Kelly Monaco lift up the coveted ball trophy They saw John O'Hurley robbed of a victory. Robbed of a victory. Did they? And so John talked in the press. Many people felt that John should have won. They, John and others started calling for a rematch. And so the producers are like, let's take our number one new show. And let's do a rematch episode. So, Katie, question number one.
1: Hit me with it.
0: Should Kelly have agreed to the dance-off for her legacy?
1: Should she have? No. Could she have? Also no. I don't know when it became this charity event but if john is in the press saying i you know i wanted to do this rematch i wanted to do this dance off and it was for charity and she said no that's not gonna work for her reputation
0: i agree um the the dance off ends up working as a charity event uh john And Kelly both picked a charity that was important to them. Uh, Every vote cast by America uh, led to money being donated to those charities. My guess is it probably became a charity event to convince Kelly to do it. Because why else would you agree otherwise?
1: I would agree with that. Because I don't think you get her to sign on until that becomes a part of it. I don't think I don't think if it was just a pure we want you and john back and we want to have a rematch and we want to see how this one plays out she wouldn't have agreed to it because from the jump when they were showing her commentary she did sound like annoyed and defensive and she kept saying it's my miracle i want it i want it fair and square what does she have to gain from agreeing to do this absolutely nothing not one thing is she benefiting from in this dance-off.
0: I agree. She has everything to lose and nothing to gain from it. Um, really, I think the only reason you agree is, A, it's a charity thing for a charity that's important to you. In this case, uh, it was a Katrina benefit uh, for her. The... Mm-hmm. Other benefit for her is if they wave a big enough paycheck in general in her face, sure, I'll say yes. <laughs> but otherwise, she has no reason to. And like you said, she sounds annoyed through a lot of the show that she is even doing this because mm-hmm. she won. Mm-hmm. Question number two on the flip side. Should John O'Hurley, should he have been pushing so hard for a rematch, for a dance-off?
1: No. Um, I have not been John's number one fan from the jump, but I have always enjoyed him. I have always liked him. I think he brings good. I get why he's on the show, and I think that he should get a lot of recognition for setting the show up into what it is now. He came across horrifically in everything that they showed of his. His snide comments, his, oh no, I'm so sorry, not snide. His condescending comments about Kelly were uncomfortable to watch. I don't think anybody deserved a 10 in our season, let alone three. My jaw hit the ground. I think I was literally like, because I wasn't looking at the screen. I think I was taking a bite of something and that came across and my mouth opened and I stared at the screen and was in complete and utter disbelief.
0: I am not going to answer my own question yet. I'm going to save this as a reveal. So before we even talk about any of the dances, any ones that stood out to you, anything like that at all, I have to ask. So this... Dance-Off was based solely on viewer votes. Uh, The judges did score each dance, but as Tom said, they were only there to give viewers a sense of what was good, what was bad, Uh, but otherwise the judge scores did not matter at all. It would only come down to viewer votes. So Katie, it's the fall of 2005. Who are you voting for to win the Dance-Off?
1: Kelly and Alec.
0: Are you ready for me to answer? Yes. I'm voting for Kelly and Alec.
1: Yes, you are, Chris. That is the first correct thing you've said in our entire podcast journey together.
0: <sighs> so everything you said was absolutely correct. When John said that comment about the perfect score, I was Shocked. I was appalled. It did not make it did not make John O'Hurley look good at all through this episode. He did come across as entitled, as bitter, as deserving of a rematch, even though he lost the first time. Now, I think I made it clear last time. Should John O'Hurley have won the first season of Dancing with the Stars? Personally, I think he was robbed. I think he was flat out robbed by a dance from Kelly that did not deserve 110, let alone three. And I think he had a dance that deserved at least 110, if not three. If that had happened, I truly think he might have ended up with the mirror ball. Because with this dance off that is decided by America, he wins by approximately 1% of the votes, according to Tom. It's very close, but I have to imagine if those things are in play, he's going to end up walking away with the Mirrorball Trophy in Season 1. It doesn't. We can think of him as a robbed god of Dancing with the Stars, but having him come back for the dance-off and coming off as conceited, condescending, entitled to a rematch, let alone a trophy... And in the process, essentially embarrassing and demeaning Kelly Monaco for having to do this and then having her lose does not look good. He is Gilles Marini 14 seasons early.
1: I think, honestly, the part that was almost the saddest for me was watching charlotta talk about him in their first package because she says this is a completely different john and she looked sad when she said that like mm-hmm. you could tell this was if he had brought that energy from the get-go they would not have the partnership that they did and he would not have i don't know if he would have made it as far as he did
0: mm-hmm and at first, I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, because I thought to myself, well, he's talked some about how he felt like he was robbed of the mirror ball, which, again, is true. I don't know if I love him saying it, but it's true. And if enough other people feel that way, then I can see ABC being like, we have such a big hit on, on our hands we want to capitalize on it. Let's do a rematch and see what happens now. But neither person, truly, nobody has anything to gain from doing this. John looks worse. Kelly gets potentially embarrassed. And we question her legacy and her win from here on out. I, I don't think there was anything good in this except for the charity money. Now let me ask you a fourth question. Kelly Monaco losing the dance-off. Does that color her win in your mind? Does it color other fans and should it?
1: This is a hard one to answer because I would say it does color my mind because whenever you think back on season one of Dancing with the Stars, you say Kelly won, but lost the dance off. In my mind, whenever you talk about her, whenever you think about her, that is where your head goes to. Watching it back 15 years later, I would argue it should not color people's minds about her, but the deed is done. We're 15 years too late, unfortunately, mm-hmm. to convince everyone to stop allowing this to cloud their judgment on Kelly.
0: I agree. I think the way I used to interpret it was Kelly won the season, but there was controversy controversy, and a dance-off, which she lost. Um, but she was still the winner. So I still thought of her as the winner, just a controversial one that maybe there was a little bit of evidence to back up that controversy watching the dance off and i i texted you while it was while i was watching it can i stop can i turn this off because i just quickly turned so against it i felt so uncomfortable i felt so angry about it existing um and what's a shame is it does color people's perceptions i think In a weird way, I think it affects Kelly's legacy to such a point that this is me putting on a tinfoil hat. It makes me wonder if the low energy that she has toward the show in All Stars comes from the fact that this dance-off was a thing that happened. That her legacy, that her skill has already been so questioned and tainted that, yes, she'll come back to All Stars because they pay her well, but she has already been so <sighs> tarnished, is such a strong word for this <laughs> ballroom dancing competition and this context. But... but
1: she has been.
0: Yeah. Like, we, when they talk about her on All Stars, I mean, The the storyline doesn't follow, oh, she's somebody who started low and really rose up and won. It's, she started low and rose up, but shouldn't have won, but did anyway. Like, I would not be mad at Kelly for winning. I was disappointed for John and felt that he was robbed. But that didn't make me say, oh, Kelly shouldn't be the winner how dare she be the winner like no she won i think she was done so dirty
1: i i agree i think she was done incredibly dirty it truly makes me wonder why she agreed to come back for all stars because at at that point you are i don't remember how far after seven years removed maybe from the show if not more Mm -hmm. and you've been your name's been struck through the mud, whatever you want to say, why would you come back to this? Where again, it feels as though you have nothing to gain and everything to lose.
0: I think the only thing she possibly has to gain from All-Stars is coming back and just being so good and being like vindicating the reason she won. Obviously, the journey she takes almost solidifies her reputation that the dance-off started. Which, I I would love to go back and watch All-Stars again with all of this in mind to see, have we projected something else on Kelly Monaco? Am I slowly turning into a justice for Kelly? I hope truther? so.
1: I hope so. Because it's about time that you join. This train choo choo.
0: I would still like to note John O'Hurley was robbed, but justice for Kelly anyway.
1: If John could have gone about it in a less condescending way, maybe if this idea isn't born from John, maybe if the producers just say, Hey, we would love to get the two of you together and go head to head for America's votes. Would it make you less sympathetic towards Kelly?
0: I think I would still have the same amount of sympathy Mm -hmm. for her. I would just have less antipathy Mm -hmm. for John. And certainly I think the level that he's at pushes me even further toward Kelly But even before we heard him saying some of the things he says later in the show, we still get her right off the bat saying, we won. I don't understand why we have to do this and why we have to back this up like only two months later. And that already put me on the, yeah, this shouldn't be happening. And then John launches into, we must win because I can't believe we didn't win the first time. And it just becomes a giant snowball running into disaster um do you want to discuss any of the dances i honestly i didn't think any of the dances in this dance-off were very good or notable i was bored by the dances and i hated everything else that was happening around it
1: the only thing i have of note is what's interesting is that when you compare the two scores Kelly scores five points higher than John in the cha-cha. John then goes on to score five points higher than Kelly in the Rumba. The quick step, there's two, Kelly does not surpass John's score. She scores two points lower. The biggest difference between the two of them, can you believe what dance it is? The waltz. A 17 point difference between the two of those dances. I don't know that any of this is relevant, but I thought it was interesting.
0: (laughs) That's a new title for the podcast. I don't know (laughs) if this is relevant, but I thought it was interesting. (laughs) Um, Well, the judges raved about his waltz, and I was just like, it's a classy routine. It's fine. And they gave it a 30. And John was like speechless and just like thrilled. And I was like, cool. Good for you. Good for you, John.
1: That made me incredibly happy to hear. What was interesting about his waltz is that I began to question his level of difficulty in that dance, and then it made me think, well, I wonder what his level of difficulty has been throughout this whole season. And then I thought, nobody's got time for that. But in the waltz, it definitely didn't, <laughs> it definitely didn't seem like it was that difficult of a dance, and it was so, in, it was so strange to me that it then scored a 30 because i don't think he did much i can't
0: speak to it i was just like again i was just so bored and over it that i you know i love watching the dances on dancing with the stars that's what i care about and i was so mad about everything else happening around it that i actually didn't care about the dances which is not my usual way um As to the level of difficulty, I mean, you can't say his quick step wasn't incredibly difficult. And in this one, because Kelly danced a quick step and there were a lot of parts where I was like, wow, she is doing way better than I would expect from her. There were a lot of like really fast portions that she was doing well. And then in the middle, there is a lot of nothing just very weird. Like they stop. She does a couple things. There's an awkward moment where you just have a close-up on her face and you have no idea what's happening around her. Um,
1: and then Alec comes sprinting over from the was, other side of the floor.
0: It was bizarre and it made no sense to me. Um, but the, it, like other than that, I was like, okay, maybe they're pretty similar. And then that happened. And I was like, okay, it's not as similar anymore. But even so, we shouldn't we shouldn't be discussing any of this. I I kind of, honestly, I hate that we have to talk about the dance off. I hate it. I hate it. So let's
1: I mean, maybe that's where we end it. That's yeah. where we end our thoughts, because I did not enjoy it either.
0: So let's then move to season one as a whole i think we have eulogized john in the correct way that he was robbed you agree you know it it's true he should have won season one because he was perfect until the dance-off and i think we have eulogized kelly to a certain degree but i have I think this is going to be the last question I have for you this podcast episode. The question is, does Dancing with the Stars change at all if John O'Hurley wins season one?
1: I, I really don't know. I think i think could you hear that
0: i could (laughs) your cat must really your cat must really think that john o'hurley is the way to go
1: (laughs) apparently um i i don't know that it changes it that much because john is still a good he's still laying good foundation for what the show is and he's he shows the kind of contestant that will do well on the show but I don't know if it changes mu- much based upon him winning except to say that it seems to always the ringers. I don't know if it sets us on that precedent maybe a little bit earlier. Um, I don't know.
0: I don't think the show changes if John wins. Um, the only thing that really Changes is we see a difference in judge score versus audience vote. I think it seemed that there was a difference in those throughout the season that is really highlighted by the fact that Kelly wins. That said, obviously in the finale, the judge score favors Kelly. But I think people don't usually realize that when you're thinking about kelly's legacy versus john you think of john always beat her with the judges in fact i forgot that she wins on judges scores in the season one finale before revisiting it um but i don't i don't think it changes anything it's not such a difference in well what happens if this person wins versus the other that we'll see perhaps in the future. I also think we get a much firmer push down a certain road with season two. And when you think of who ends up winning season two, which I don't know if you know, so we will not spoil it this time. um, But based on who wins season two and how they win it, I think that's what sets Dancing with the Stars on a much firmer course where... John and Kelly, neither one has a real defining moment like that. So let's do some quick hits on things in season one. We have to eulogize Lisa Canning. We have seen our last of the first co-host. She was there for the dance-off. And then, what, three, four months later... She will be uh, replaced with Samantha Harris. Katie, I'll let you share your thoughts in a moment. What I can say for Lisa, I think, unfortunately, she ends up being a product of the show figuring itself out. I don't think she was that bad. In fact, she's really enjoyable in the dance-off there's a couple times where things are going slightly wrong or things are happening and she's just kind of like goofily endearing when those are happening and it gave us a much firmer sense of who she was that we didn't see in season one where the growing pains were really there and i think unfortunately the growing pains were mostly on Aspects that were out of her control. But she was directly in front of.
1: Lisa. Not much I can say. Except that you shouldn't have made John so angry. When you reminded him. That he did not want <laughs> Dancing with the Stars. Season one. Maybe then he wouldn't have had you fired.
0: <laughs> um.
1: Conspiracy theory. Is John... O- conspiracy theory is John O'Hurley secretly pulling all of the strings in the producer's room
0: do you think John was so mad about losing that he that he waited 28 seasons and then was like Tom here is my revenge
1: Tom um. You didn't get me the mirror ball. Say goodbye to your job. 15 years later.
0: He was playing us all for fools. We should have seen it coming.
1: Honestly, after watching the dance-off, I do in fact believe in our conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm.
0: As for other on-camera talent, as we were just mentioning, Tom is so great in season one. He is already the Tom that we see later. Maybe a couple more, like, uncomfortable current events reference jokes that he makes throughout the season. Like, um, he has ones about, uh, like, Tom Cruise, I noted at one point. Uh, There was one relating to uh, the election of 2000. There was... I think he made a joke at one point, like an OJ Simpson trial like joke. So many things like that, where it's like, mm, Tom, stay away from these, please. But overall, he's just already a delight. You see why he's going to win an Emmy in a few seasons.
1: What I think is my only critique of Tom in season one is more of so a critique of the show and the growing pains that they're going through in the first season, but he really does rush the judges quite a bit. I mean, in these in this first season, they are getting one to two sentences out and he is moving on to the next and he is cutting them off and he is keeping them on track. And it was it was interesting to hear that cuz you know, obviously he still does that in the later seasons, but it was just very obvious in the season. Mm-hmm.
0: As for the judges, Len obviously he's been doing strictly for a year or so at this point. He's already in the form that we know of Len. He's already throwing out some of his Lenisms. He knows what he likes, can be a little grumpy. I think Len is already Len. Bruno is a little less flamboyant, but he's figuring himself out on this American version. But Carrie Ann, and I know we talked about her last episode, but oh boy. This Carrie Anne is so different than modern Carrie Anne, or even Carrie Anne of a couple seasons after. Um, she is just so humorless and so rough in a lot of ways. Um, in fact, this past summer of 2020, uh, she, I, I saw a story that she essentially apologized for some of the things she said to Kelly in this first season, that she saw some of them again and realized just how harsh and cruel some of it was. And for what it's worth, Carrie Ann also felt that the dance off should not have happened, that it was unfair to Kelly.
1: Interesting. I have not read that. Um, Yeah. Carrion in season one is not carrying in current seasons, I can tell you that much. Um, just aggressive in her comments, especially towards Kelly. Obviously, we've t- touched on that plenty, but just her delivery in general just fell so flat, and just she seemed timid, almost, to share some of her thoughts.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I This is maybe a stretch, but it almost feels lucky that Carrie Ann stayed on with the show after this first season because like truly she is just so blah during so much of the first season that I'm surprised the producers felt they should keep her on because she does not pop off the screen I'm glad she's still there because I think the OG judging panel is like the best reality show judge panel other than maybe top chef uh beyond the people katie any final thoughts on the first season of dancing with the stars
1: my one thing that i absolutely adored was actually it was in the dance off i don't know if you noticed this or not um when they are backstage talking to lisa in the background of the shots, it looked as though it was um, like costume designers drawings of the dances that were worn throughout the season. And I loved that. I thought that was such a cool thing. And I think it's a great way to highlight that there's so many more people involved in the show than just the on-air talent that you see. Um, And I I loved that. I thought that was so cool. Obviously there are a lot of set, you know, things that are quite different this go round than in later seasons um I mean the whole ballroom gets reimagined every few seasons or so so um it it was just fun it was fun to see the simplicity of it it was fun to see do not mean this in a demeaning way that the low budget of it still made it so classy and it was just it was fun to go back to that
0: I think you really hit the nail on the head there. They seem to highlight the different hands that went into this. They really used their limited budget in a way that made it feel like a slightly bigger ballroom dance competition. You highlight the costumes. We got shots of Harold Wheeler conducting the orchestra every episode, uh, to lead off the introduction of the contestants Uh, we saw even in the red room backstage. I mean, there's a little bit of area that eventually obviously will evolve into real dressing room makeup stuff. Um, But it felt like they were trying to show there are many things happening behind the scenes. It's not just our pros and our celebrities. There are a lot of people that make this show what it is. So I think it was fun seeing that. That it didn't feel so overblown and that made it feel more immediate. Obviously there are kinks with that immediacy because not all of them really knew how to talk live after dancing. Um, They didn't quite know how to maybe make it flow as a show. But it you saw the spark there. You could see why this became the hit that it was in those early days. And with that, I think that eulogizes season one. R.I.P. and the most peace, season one.
1: Season one, we bid you adieu. You were sparkly. You were tan. You were feathered, and my God, did we love you.
0: We move then. To a preview of the winter of 2006.
1: Season two, baby! Here we go!
0: I really think season two is a game changer for the show. And that really all comes down to one dance that I think changes Dancing with the Stars forever. I will probably talk for an hour when we get to that dance. But first, some facts. So Dancing with the Stars was the number one summer show of 2005. As such, when it returns in January of 2006, it is expanded on ABC's schedule. It is now moving to Thursday nights with a 90-minute show. And then on Friday nights, it has the hour-long results show that will last with it for years to come so the fact that it's on thursdays and thursday is like the competitive night this is we're kind we have definitely left some of the era of nbc's must-see tv but it's still a very competitive night and dancing with the stars of all shows is a thursday night show can you believe it
1: it feels right it feels right in my heart and in my soul
0: i was looking up though Its lead-out show is a show I had never heard of. It's a sitcom called Crumbs, starring Jane Curtin and Fred Savage. It gets pulled from the air after like six episodes. (laughs) (laughs) It is replaced in the final couple weeks of Dancing with the Stars' second season uh, with Grey's Anatomy reruns.
1: Oh, I'm here for that.
0: And that's right around the time that I started watching Grey's Anatomy. So, because, I mean, this winter of 2006 is, like, right around the time of the Super Bowl, ABC's last Super Bowl to date. And that's when Grey's Anatomy just explodes, literally, in that Super Bowl episode. And so it starts airing reruns on Thursday nights, which foreshadows its Thursday night appearance. Starting uh, that fall. But this is obviously a Dancing with the Stars podcast. So stay tuned for our Grey's Anatomy spinoff coming. Never. Katie, is there anything you already know about season two?
1: I know it is the introduction of my one true queen. Miss... Cheryl Burke and I cannot wait for that and then I obviously know about one of the most iconic dances to ever be performed on Dancing with the Stars I know Save a Horse Ride a Cowboy
0: oh and I will I will have so many words about Save a Horse Ride a Cowboy (laughs) all right let's get into it then we are going to play America's favorite game. Katie guesses who the celebrities are. I have selected a random order and Katie will have to guess who this person is. Katie, our first contestant of season 2 is George Hamilton.
1: I know that name. Um I don't know how I know that name. He's probably an actor.
0: He is an actor.
1: In uh, something that I know.
0: I'm not sure if there's anything specifically you'll know him for. You will recognize his face for sure. He's a very distinctive face. Uh, okay. He is an older actor. Um, and what I was... I, I just like to check things in my very thorough research on very important sources. And my favorite sentence of his Wikipedia page is he has a substantial body of work in film and television but he is perhaps most famous for his debonair style and his perpetual suntan and that is entirely accurate and (laughs) almost like cruel to his acting career (laughs) but he's a face that like for me I recognize him but I'm not sure what I've seen him in. Okay. Uh, George Hamilton, for the record, is paired with Edita Slavinska. Oh, boy. So the leg warmer and the suntan. (laughs) A match made in heaven. Our next contestant, with his partner, Cheryl, MF, and Burke... It's Drew Lachey. Who's Drew?
1: He is a boy bander.
0: That he is. He is also very notable for his appearance on Dancing with the Stars -Stars. (laughs) (laughs) All-Stars. Alright, our next contestant. We will have so many words about this person specifically. Okay. So, you may or may not know this the rapper romeo i believe then known as lil romeo was supposed to be on dancing with the stars he was injured in the like week or two before the show aired oh. so somebody stepped in to replace him his father master p
1: I know that Master P gets a four or a three from the judges.
0: Let's just say Master P is not going to do particularly well on Dancing with the Stars. And we'll just put it that way. Uh, do you know okay. who Master P is otherwise?
1: Little Romeo's father.
0: He is also best known for being a rapper. He also, for what it's worth, is an actor, record producer, entrepreneur, and a former basketball player.
1: Jack of all trades, if you will.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. But not a dancer. He is paired with the saint of season two, Ashley Del Grosso.
1: Oh, uh... Our poor baby.
0: She would have been so great with Romeo. We'll save it for later. We'll put a pin pin in Ashley Del Grosso. Okay. Our next contestant is Jerry Rice with his partner, Anna Trebunskaya.
1: He's a football player for sure, right?
0: He was an NFL wide receiver. Do you know what team he played for? Or what team he is best known for?
1: Um... uh... I feel like it's either a New York or a California team.
0: You're right on the money with one of those two guesses. Uh, He was a longtime player for the San Francisco 49ers. Okay. He won three Super Bowls.
1: Good for him. Won three Super Bowls. Couldn't win a mirror ball.
0: (laughs) Any guess what position he played?
1: You told me wide receiver. Oh, I said it? yeah
0: i don't remember the things i say (laughs) even i don't listen to me on this podcast
1: (laughs) somebody's got to
0: (laughs) all right our next contestant is stacy keebler with her partner mainstay tony dovolani who is stacy keebler
1: oh my god I thought you were trying to say that Tony was the um the star I thought you were saying Stacy Keebler was like the professional dancer and I was like what dimension did I just fall into <laughs> okay I'm back on track
0: I mean Stacey in what Keebler- wor- in what world is Tony not a star
1: not a world I want to live in. <laughs> um Stacy Keebler is a model.
0: No, she is best known for being a former WWE wrestler.
1: Oh, my brother is going to be very upset at me for not knowing that. Sorry Tim.
0: Her ring names included Miss Hancock uh sky super stacy and just stacy Keebler. i i'm not a wrestling person i have no idea if any of those were like ones she was notable for but there so be it. It. Mm-hmm. so she, she oh she was known as the legs of wwe so get ready get ready to see some legs
1: i can't wait i hope she's our new rachel
0: all right, our next contestant is Tia Carreri. Tia Carrere? Tia Carreri. Tia. Carrere? Tia. <laughs> and she is partnered with Maxim Shimakovsky.
1: Ooh, I didn't realize Max comes this early. I can't wait for that. This um,
0: season is full of so many new pros who will stay with the show forever.
1: Yeah. So, Tia is
0: it's tia Carreri. it's got to be tia Carreri. i'm just doubting myself
1: <laughs> tia our girl tia is um is not the star of sister sister but is instead a singer
0: she does sing but she is primarily known as a model and actress
1: Oh, so she's a triple threat, trying to be a quadruple threat.
0: Some of her most notable roles included uh, roles in Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2. And she is the voice of Nani in Lilo and Stitch.
1: Oh, she has major points for me then.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. She also, this is just a weird tangent... There is a direct-to-video Batman animated movie called Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero. She sings the credit song of that movie and is not in the movie itself. She just sings the end credits (laughs) song.
1: And that's what she's most known for.
0: Because <laughs> when I watched when I watched that movie a couple of years, a couple of few years ago, in the end credits, here's like this song credit. I'm like, by Tia Carreri? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so, actress and model and singer. And can't oh, the first appearance of Max.
1: I can't wait for that. I'm so excited for that.
0: It's time for the takeover of the show.
1: It's his show, Chris.
0: If it was John's in season one. Oh boy. All right. Our next contestant. It's someone you know quite well. With her partner, Louis Van Amstel. It's Lisa Rinna.
1: She was in season two. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I'm so excited to see her. I'm going to hate her. I can't wait.
0: <laughs> How do you know Lisa Rinna, Katie?
1: Um, I don't know. Maybe she's one of the most iconic franchises to ever be built on one gay man's shoulders. The Real Housewives.
0: Do you know what she was notif- notable for in the winter of 2006?
1: I think she did soaps. I think she was a soap star.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, She did some daytime soaps, uh, did a soap opera talk show at that time. Uh, She had also been on Melrose Place by then, which was a primetime soap. Very different, of course. And do you know who she was married to at the time?
1: Harry Hamlin.
0: Her husband, Harry Hamlin.
1: My husband, Harry Hamlin. Don't talk about my husband,
0: I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we do see him in the ballroom
1: multiple oh, I'm times sure throughout the do. season. I wouldn't be surprised if we see her kids too.
0: I don't are they notable are they stars? Should I care about her kids?
1: Um yes, because they're both well, they're both models, but Amelia Gray is her youngest, and she's probably like, I don't know, 19, 20, 21-ish. And she is currently rumored to be dating Scott Dizick. And we oh, should talk a lot.
0: He was in the Kardashian orbit, right?
1: Yes. He is baby daddy to Penelope, Rain, and Mason Dizik with Courtney Kardashian. Did this just become a Kardashian podcast? Rob, Kim, come on and tell us all about your time on Dancing with the Stars.
0: Hey, spoiler alert. We're not to them yet.
1: <laughs> Whatever.
0: <laughs> all right. Our next... Our next celebrity dancer is Giselle Fernandez with her partner, Jonathan Roberts. Who is Giselle? I'm going to tell you right now, there is no way you are going to come close to this one.
1: She's a daytime talk show host.
0: You are shockingly, uh, at least on the right track, she is most notable for being a television news anchor
1: i was close
0: um she was a journalist for cbs news um she moved to nbc where she did the weekend today show um she uh did the weekend nbc nightly news at times like did a lot of reporting um, and also, at one point, was uh, co-host for Access Hollywood. So she's kind of been a journeyman since then. But a TV news anchor on Dancing okay. with the Stars—okay,
1: not no, something
0: you would see now.
1: No, I—I I think the closest would be. Oh wait, I mean Jenny Myers. Someone who was on the, the real or whatever, but then, um, would Ginger Z be the closest? Ginger Z
0: is the closest we've been, yeah. And I'm sure I, I'd guess there might be someone's in between. Well, I think... there's
1: um, the really short guy that's on Fox News, and he was with Edita.
0: I know you're talking about
1: her, her, Geraldo. yeah. yeah.
0: My eyes started rolling out the back of my head as soon as I knew where you were going with that.
1: Yep. I'm sorry. Uh,
0: poor Edita. Poor, poor Avita. Edita. Justice poor Edita. Avita.
1: <laughs> Lisa. <laughs> shh.
0: All right. Moving on from Giselle. We have two left. It's a 10-person mm-hmm. season. Tatum okay. O'Neill, who is partnered with Nick Kosovich. Oh,
1: so it's a girl?
0: Yes, Tatum O'Neal is a female. Who is Tatum O'Neal?
1: Well, I was going to say someone plays in the NFL, but never mind. <laughs> um, hey,
0: female. she could. She could.
1: She could. She absolutely could. I, she absolutely could. Um, Tatum O'Neal. a are in winter. He's a baseball player.
0: Tatum O'Neill oh, is the... Y- oh my god,
1: it's a girl. Oh my god. Oh my god.
0: Do you want to change no, your answer?
1: Yeah, I do. Tatum O'Neill. Tatum O'Neill. Tatum O'Neill is a...
0: Does it help? Does it help you to know that her middle name is Beatrice?
1: <laughs> no oh suddenly i know exactly who you were talking about you were talking about my good friend the model miss tatum beatrice o'neill now i know exactly who you're talking about
0: she is the youngest person ever to win a competitive oscar she is an actress um uh, she is she won her Oscar in the 70s as a 10 year old uh, in the movie paper moon um, her okay. father the actor Ryan O'Neill I don't think there are any bells going off for you um, nope but yeah she she's an actress uh, has written some books as well or at least that's what Wikipedia tells me Okay, she's written two autobiographies. So, books.
1: Books. She's written a few books. With the help of a ghostwriter.
0: <laughs> she has done that. Yes, she has.
1: She has. She's a really good author. She is.
0: Hey, she dated Michael Jackson. I didn't know that.
1: She dated him?
0: Yeah. Interesting. Interesting.
1: There's probably a joke there, but I can't quite find it.
0: Anyway, our final competitor. Ooh, boy. Ooh, baby. With his partner, Andrea Hale. It's Kenny Mayne. Katie Clay, who's Kenny Mayne? The fact that you don't automatically recognize his name for his role on Dancing with the Stars infuriates me
1: i have no idea who he is who is he
0: so outside of dancing with the stars he is most notable as an espn anchor perhaps on sports center so what's he notable for doing on dancing with the stars as a sports center anchor
1: oh my god Oh my god
0: Kenny Main, the man, the myth, the face sparkle legend.
1: I don't deserve to be on this podcast.
0: Dance Center is like my favorite thing in I the know, entirety you of Dancing it. with the Stars. And is he
1: he's not on every dance dance center, is he?
0: He's the anchor of Dance Center. Do you know who is with him on Dance Center? Who? Jerry Rice, the 49ers wide receiver, also on this season.
1: My mind is blown right now. How did I not put that together?
0: I mean, did you not realize they were DWTS alums?
1: I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not.
0: I don't know. Like, they are... They are maybe the alums closest in relation to the show following their time on Dancing with the Stars. Uh Uh-huh. Especially considering neither of them are on All Stars. But they have appeared on so many seasons of Dancing with the Stars.
1: Yeah, because that's so interesting. Okay, I'm excited to get to relive all of this. or live it for the first time, I suppose.
0: Don't quote me on this. I think... Think dance center might appear in this season but don't quote me on that in fact i doubt that it does <laughs> once again don't listen to me i don't listen to me you shouldn't either
1: no one should listen to me but i think it might appear on the season but don't listen to me okay chris nothing you've said has ever been more clear
0: Ugh. <laughs> uh. So that is your 10-person cast, an expanded cast from season one of high-wattage stars. Katie, who are you most excited to see dance?
1: Well, I'm most excited for one dance in particular, which would feature um, my queen, Cheryl Burke. But I think I'm most... I think actually Lisa Rinna. I'm pumped to see her.
0: Mm -hmm. I... There are so many people I'm so excited to see their dances again. I know I am excited for Kenny Maynes. Uh, I am excited for Master P's for many reasons. I'm mostly just excited to talk with you about Master P. (laughs) Oh, and Master P's shoes.
1: I've heard about that. I've heard about that.
0: Oh boy. Master P and his shoes. And of course, yes, I am prepared for our one episode, two hour special, simply about Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. Mm -hmm. But there will be so many things to discuss in season two. So much excitement. Same judges, same host, new stars, new co-host. Same us. Ready to call it?
1: I feel like that's like the perfect ending.
0: In that case, we look forward to you listening to our next episode. Um, please make sure you r- subscribe, that you rate us on whatever podcatcher you're listening to. And if you leave a review, let us know if you listen to me. If you are, you're doing it wrong, but you're also doing it right. <laughs> Katie, I love you and I like you.
1: Chris, I hear you and I see you.
0: And please make sure you stay tuned for this new episode of Crumbs coming up next.